Have your Bibles turn to Genesis chapter 34 this morning. Y'all pray for me. I am struggling and uh, fighting the devil. And it's just, uh, you know, the devil wants to discourage people. He wants to tear you down. But I have set in my heart this year, I'm not letting him or the world or my flesh rob me of my joy of the Lord. And uh, I, that's why they came up with that message, nevertheless, nevertheless, nevertheless what comes after me, nevertheless about the persecution and what I'm going to face, I'm, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to walk with God. Amen. So we ought to look at that way. But the devil will come after you, and the devil is after me. He has been at me for a couple of days. I'm supposed to preach tonight on the seven I am's, and boy, am I having problems. But you know what? God is greater. Amen. God is greater. So we just got to let him take care of it. Let us stand, chapter 34, beginning in verse number 1. Give you what I have this morning to help. may help you out. I know it's helping me out, and uh, and. We'll just see what God lets us do. Verse number 1 of chapter 34 says, And Dinah, the daughter of Leah, which she bared unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamar, the Hittite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and laid with her and defiled her. Notice how sin goes. He saw her, he took her, he laid with her, and then he defiled her. Sin never starts out with a defilement. It starts out with a look. Amen. He saw her, but the way it ended up was defilement. Sin never does show you the high consequences that you're going to have to pay for what it gets you into. It'll get you all tangled up and get you all messed up. It never shows you what the wages of sin will be. It just shows you the pleasure in sin. And I would not stand up here and lie to you this morning that saying there's no pleasure in sin because the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. The difference of sin and the pleasure of the Lord is Psalms and it said, In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures, not for season, forevermore. The season of pleasure which the Lord never runs out, David said, it never runs out. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. But you mark it down, you get tangled up with sin. You might have fun for a little while, but it's going to come to an end. It did for Samson, it did for David, it did for Solomon, it did it for Lot, it did for Judas, it did for the prodigal son, and it will for you too. This ain't my message, but I'm tangled up on it and I just want to get it off my chest. Your life toward a rebellion toward God and the Word of God and think the re uh, season is not going to end and you have pleasure to now... You're going to have to pay the piper somewhere down along the road for your sins. Verse number 3, he said, His soul clave unto Dave, uh, Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the damsel and spake kindly unto the damsel. And Shechem spake unto his father Hamar, saying, Get me this damsel to wife. And Jacob heard that it had defiled Dinah. His daughter, now his sons were with him his cattle in the fields, and Jacob held his peace until they were come. And Hamar, the father of Shechem, went out unto Jacob to continue commune with him. And the sons of Jacob came out of the field where they heard it, and the men were grieved, and they were very wroth because he had wroth fully folly in Israel in laying with Jacob's daughter, which things ought not to be done. Drop down to verse number 25. Uh, the sons of uh, Jacob hatches a plan. You know the story. Simeon and Levi tells the men, that if you want to be a part of us, if you want to commune with us, you want to fellowship with us, you want to be a part of our family, then you got to be circumcised. And, and they did it with the subtlety of heart, planning 
on destroying these men. Verse 25, And it came to pass on the third day when they were sore, that the two sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinan's brothers, took each man his sword and came upon the city boldly and slew all the males. And they slew Hamar and Shechem, his son, with the edge of the sword and took Dinah out of the Shechem's house and went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and spoiled the city because they had defiled their sisters. Let us pray. Father, we just come before you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy and grace and love. Father, we just ask you to help us tonight, Lord. Help us to be what we need to be, Lord. Help us to stand strong in this world. Lord, we know that we're going to face persecution. We know that we're going to face difficulties time. But, Lord, we are a child of God. And I'm not giving up my joy for what you've done for me. Help our hearts this morning. Help us to see the things that we need to see, Father. And we'll praise and glorify you in all things. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Would everybody agree with me this is a messed up story? It, it starts out messed up. It starts out bad. It continues to be bad. And it ends up bad. And it, it's a true story. There's not a lot of joy found in Genesis 34. As a matter of fact, there's no joy found in Genesis 34. It starts out on the wrong foot. It ends up on the wrong foot. And this is what stuck out in my mind. And what I want to get across to you this morning. Do you realize if you start reading your Bible in the book of Genesis, every chapter up to chapter 34, you'll find somewhere that God is mentioned somehow. The name of the Lord is in every chapter up to chapter 34. The first chapter in the Bible God is not in turns to be a disaster. I want to preach this morning on this thought, writing a chapter of life without God in it. The dangers of writing a chapter of your life without God in it. Without God, you realize your life is like a book this morning. The Bible said, Moses said in Psalms 90, we are spent our years as, as a tale that is told. We are living a story. Paul said, you are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. In other words, your life is like a book this morning. Moses said it, your life is like a book. Paul said it, your life is like a book. And it's broken up into chapters. There's different sections. You can look at different sections of your life and see where you've been and what you've done and how it's turned out. You can look at the chapters of your adolescence, the chapters of young adulthood, the chapters of marriage, the chapters of fatherhood, of motherhood, Different chapters of your life is written out before you. But I, I don't want a chapter or a season of my life this morning without God not written in it. I, I'd like to tell you that has happened in my life, but it's not so. I've written chapters of my life where God was not in it, and it was a messed up chapter. Make sure every chapter in your life. Make sure that the pen is writing in your book. God is somehow writing the chapters of your book this morning. You can ill afford with just a few chapters of your life that you have to write them without God in them this morning. You cannot leave God out of your chapters. You cannot ill afford to spend a little time uh, that you are given on this planet to just live a season of pleasure, a span of your life, a character in your life, saying, I, I, I'm going to pilot myself through this. I'm going to write my own story through this. You can ill afford to have your hand on your pen writing your chapters without God in your chapters at all. It'll turn up like a mess. I want every chapter of my life, listen to me, I want every chapter of my life, God, to be the epic center of it. 
I want to know that every chapter of my life, somewhere along the line, you'll find where God was walking with me. You'll find where God was leading me, where God was guiding me. Somewhere in my chapter, you'll find God. But too many of us are writing chapters this morning where God is not even in your chapter. I know what everybody thinks. I'm going to live my life. I said that when I was young. I'm going to do it without God in my life. I'm going to do it without His Word in my life. I'm going to just live my life. And it's going to turn out all right. Well, can I remind you what the story is? Can anybody agree with me this morning? Anybody that has walked down some rough roads in your life and say that you could look back in your life and see some chapters where you didn't include the Lord. There were some chapters that didn't you seek His counsel. There were some chapters of your life that you didn't put the church as a priority. You didn't put His Word as a priority. And you just did your own thing. And if we're all willing to be honest this morning, you could look back down those chapters and you don't look back at them with a, a favorable eye. You can say, well, I didn't have God in my life then and I was turned out pretty good. Let me just say this and I'll be on the onset. Uh, I've been looking at all the chapters of my life where God has not been in them and they're just messed up as messed up can be. I found that when I got saved and start putting God in my chapters of life, that's when my life turned around. That's when I said, God, here it is. Here's the book of my life. You take the pen. You write the chapters. I'm tired of messing my life up. That's what I'm trying to get across to this morning. If you wrote some chapters about God, you can't go and change them. I would wish that I could change them, but I cannot. But you can help. Let, let, get this. Get, I'll get to the message in a minute. You can stop writing the chapters of your life today and give the book of your life to God. Say, God, here I am. I've written the chapters, and I look back at my life. It's been a messed up life. It's not been a great life. I've seen where I've made mistakes, but I'm about ready to say, Lord, here's the book of my life. Here's the pen of my life. You start writing the chapters. And I'm just going to move forward in serving you. I'm going to start trusting the Lord with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding. I'm going to make sure God is in the center of my chapters of my life. Hey, young people, you need to make your mind up today that God is going to be the center of your life because you got a lot more chapters ahead of you than I got ahead of me. And let me just say this, you need to make sure God is writing the story of your life this morning. And when somebody reads the chapters of my life, they will not see me, but they see the Lord. They won't say, look at what he's done. Look what she has done. But they say, look what the Lord has done. See how God moves. See how God blessed. See how God worked things out this morning. Whatever the dangers here in the uh, text of writing these chapters without God. You say, what is wrong with writing a chapter without God in it? Well, there's some wrong contemplations in verse 1. Dinah, the daughter of Leah, which she buried under Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. Why is she looking that way? What business does she have looking, studying, and trying to mimic or yoke up with the daughters of the land? Why she's contemplating this? She's uh, not a daughter of the land. She's the daughter of Jacob. She's the daughter of the people of God. 
Can I say, child of God, you've got no business contemplating as a Christian looking at this world, uh, taking, taking young people, talking to young people this morning, uh, saying, man, I I wonder what it would be like to have a party. I wonder what it would be like to taste that. I wonder what it would be like to drink that or smoke that. I just wonder what it would be like to hang out with those people. Can I say it should just look at the adults today the same way? Adults, you don't need to be looking at the world saying, I, I wonder why they have so much fun. I don't wonder why it's so bad to go here or do that or dress this way or talk this way or act like that because you're yoking up with the wrong things. Yoking up with the wrong people in your life. Listen, what the world will throw things into your face and you see, say, what? Hey, you can have fun doing this. You don't have to worry about going to church all the time. You don't have to worry about reading your Bible all the time. You don't have to worry about serving God all the time. You can have fun in doing this. And I find there's a lot of Christians contemplating of yoking up with those on the outside. Saying, well, if I yoke up with them, if I get with them, I start walking with them. Maybe I can lead them to God. Maybe I can get them to the church. I find this out to be 100% true. Every time you yoke up with somebody outside of church, somebody that walk with God, they usually drag you out of the church. They drag you out of the will of God, and you're walking in this world. There is a danger contemplating hooking up with the world. Amen. There, there's a, common, uh, a condemnation that is wicked. Verse number two. Shechem, the son of Hamar, the Hittite, the prince of the country, saw her. Can I say when she went out, she was not the only one out looking. When you go out, you're not the only one going out looking. You're not the only one out there looking for a good time. There are other people on the prowl who is out there looking, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. You ain't the only one out there looking. The adversary is seeking to ruin your life and ends up in defilement. Listen to me. She had never ever thought that it was going to end up like this. She never thought this is the way my life's going to. She's sitting in the corner of this house defiled and dirty and, and she's dreaming that it wished it had never ever happened. She was just looking. I didn't think I would wind up. I didn't think I would end up right here. Satan never shows you the backside. He never lets you know where it is going to wind up at in your life. It's contamination. That it, there's a catastrophe that is wild in verse 30. Jacob tells his sons, they came in and killed everybody. They took their stuff. I mean, it's bad. It's wild. And Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have troubled me to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land. Among the Canaanites and among the Pezrites, I'm being a few number. They shall gather themselves together against me and and slay me. And I shall be destroyed. I and my house. They said, should should he deal without our sisters as with a harlot? He said, what is left in this chapter? I've given you the bad stuff. The chapter begins out, I read it to you, the way the chapter ends is the same way it started out. There's a wake of destruction that is left in this chapter that leaves God out. There are some people here this morning writing their chapters of their life right now and God is not involved. Can I say, you think your chapter will end up like this, it's going to end up in a messed up thing. You cannot write your own chapter thinking it's going to wind up better than what had happened here. It, God, in, not in your chapter, it'll mess you up. So here's what I want to get across to you this morning. 
How do we avoid? How do we avoid writing a chapter in our life without God? Well, maybe you have wrote one. And I'm glad there's still hope for you this morning that you maybe have wrote one. Maybe you're about to write a chapter where God is not invited into it. I want to try to stop you this morning. I want you to invite God into your chapter this morning. Your chapter, you're saying, well, my chapter will not end up like this. Yes, it will without God. Some of you ain't going to listen or understand that. You're going to go back and say, I, 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 you're not, you don't want God in your chapter and you're going to walk out the church and say, hey, I'll write my own chapter. I don't need God in it, but I'm telling you, you're going to come back and you're going to come to me and you say, I wished I had listened. I wished that I had been faithful. I wished that I said I was going to write my chapter with God in it. I did not listen. You're going to, be, you're going to pay the price. So what do, we, what do we do? How do we write a chapter and God is involved? Well, they, uh, Jacob gives us some things that we should not do. And I, I believe if we look at Jacob and look at the things that Jacob did and we don't do them, we'll find ourselves that we'll write chapters in our life where God is the epic center of all our chapters in our life. Amen. First thing Jacob uh, did, Jacob was living in the past. He, he was living in a past experience of what God had done. When you read the life of Jacob, and he shows up in chapter 34, when Jacob comes on the scene in chapter 27, he's got experience. Experience after experience with God. In Genesis chapter 27, we find that he gets the blessing from his daddy. Yes, he got it by deceit, but God still honored it. He gets an awesome blessing from God in his father's, from through his father. In chapter 28, you find that he's a, he's a man on the run. And he lays down on this place called Bethel. And while he's laying there, the Bible said there was a ladder. From heaven to the earth. And the Lord spake to him. And Bethel changed his life forever. We find that he gets down to his uncle's house Laban. And God blessed him with the wives. And God blessed him with children. God blessed him with cattle. We find that when he comes. The angel Lord meets him. And he talks with him. We find he's on his journey home. He's literally wrestling with the angel of God who touches his hip, his thigh, and it pops out his joint and he walks that way for the rest of the day. He, he's a different man. He's a different man with a different walk because of the hand of God. Let me say this, with God's hand on you, you'll become a different man. You have a different walk in your life. I mean, over and over, Jacob is seeking the blessing after blessing, experience after experience, but it's almost like in the text, I've experienced enough. I've been around enough. I've had a hand, enough hand of God in my life. I've got enough of blessings from God. At this point in chapter 33 and 34, we don't find the communion with God we don't find no blessings in Jacob's life. No hand of God on Jacob's life. He's just living off of what he knew in the past. Is, there, is that an issue? Sure enough, is an issue for writing a chapter without God. When you start getting to the point and place in your life, where you're no longer looking for the hand of God because you've seen the hand of God in your past. When you say, well, I, I used to read my Bible. I used to pray. I used to walk with God. I used to do this. I used to do that. 
Brother, that is a dangerous place to get as a Christian. You want to know how a church starts right in a chapter of God, uh, your life without God. It gets to the point where you say, well, we used to do that. We used to shout. We used to pray. I've seen God move. We used to see Him moved. We used to see God do stuff. I don't want to live a life where I can say I used to see God do this. I don't want to live a life where I say I, I used to see God move in my life. I, I want to see God to move in my life today and forever. I just don't want to live on my past experience with God. I know God can move forward and I want to move forward with God. Amen. I want the blessings of God and the fullness of God pouring out on my life. I, I don't want to be a yesterday Christian, a has-been Christian, a washed-up Christian. I want to see God in every chapter of my life. You, you, some of you sitting here say, Preacher, I'll never see it like it used to be. I, I never experienced God like I used to experience God. Well, let me ask you this. What kind of God are you serving this morning? My Bible says he's the God, not of the dead, but the God of the living. My Bible says he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He's the Almighty God. He's everlasting. My Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We don't have to live on a stale bread or a stagnant water. We don't have to live on yesterday's blessings. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think. He's still in the saving business. He's still in the changing business. And we still can see God move today as He did yesterday. And I'm praying that the young people here will see God move tomorrow as He moves today. You've come to church long enough that you used to shout it out. Amen. Amen. You used to stand up when the songs are sung about the old time religion and the resurrection and the blood. You used to stand up and tears run from your face. You used to do that. We don't do that no more, do we? That's a used to thing. We moved on past that. You, you're relying on those things in the past. And, and maybe you're sitting there, well, somebody else might do that. Maybe somebody else might shout. I, I'm, I'm just waiting for somebody else to move before I moved. Amen. That's the way we are today. Waiting on somebody else instead of God saying, hey, I'm trying to move you. I'm trying to get you up. I'm trying to get you excited. I'm trying to get you to jump up. But no, I'm waiting on somebody else. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure I get involved with everything that God's got going on. I, I can't do anything for anybody in here. I can't do nothing for you. But I can sure make myself relying on what God can do today. Not, not just in my past, but what God can do for me today. He is still the same. He, he relied on his past that he saw with God. Can I say he resisted God's plan? There, there was a little bit of twinge of rebellion in Jacob's life. You say, where is that, preacher? Look at chapter 31, verse number 3. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto thee the, the land of thy fathers. Now if you studied out where the land of Beersheba, where he's from, to thy kindreds, and I will be with thee, but I want you to notice 
where he goes in chapter 33, verse 17. 31, verse 3, God tells him to rise and go back to the land of his fathers. Verse 33, chapter, verse 17, and Jacob journey. And this is not the land of his fathers. This is not Beersheba, but Surkloth. And built him a house and made booths for his cattle. Therefore, the name of the place was called Surkoth. And Jacob came to Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came to Paranam, and pitched his tent before the city. And he brought a parcel of land. There he has spared his tent at the hand of his children of Haman, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of money. You say, what is this place? If you study the maps of the Bible life, you study out where Jacob was supposed to go, Beersheba, and where Jacob's at now, where Jacob's is with his uncle Laban was 500 miles, and God told him, arise and go back to the land of your fathers. And Jacob rises, he starts out doing what God had told him to do. How many of you have been like that? How many of you started out when God said, do this, and you started out in that journey because God had said, move, and you started to get up? But look where Jacob is. He left his uncle's house and he stops in Shechem. And if you study the maps out, this is about a hundred miles short of where God had told him to go. A hundred miles short. You say, what, what's that? He, he almost made it there. Yeah. He comes back 400 miles I'm almost with you. I'm almost where I'm supposed to be. I'm, I'm close. Yeah. Partial obedience is total rebellion. Get, write this down. Partial obedience is total rebellion. This is not where God told him to go. God is not going to sit back and where you come say, hey, you can be right here. He stops a hundred miles short of where God told him to go. You say, well, that's just a hundred miles. That little hundred miles is going to mess his life up. And it messed his life up. It messed his family up. Let me tell you this. Anytime you stop short of what God has told you to do, it's going to mess your life up. And not only does it not only mess your life up, it's going to mess those up that are around and involved with you, your family, your children, your relatives. It's going to mess their lives up too when you stop short of what God said to do. Some of you sitting here this morning, preach, I've come a long way in my Christian life. Preacher, I'm not laying out like I used to. Look, preacher, I'm not drinking like I used to. I'm not hanging out with those people like I used to. I've come a long way. But are you where God has told you to go? Are you where God has told you to go? Yeah, I've come a long way. I've gotten this in my life. I've done this in my life. Yeah, but I, 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 I have religion. That's not what I'm asking. Are you where God has told you to go? Jacob's not where he's supposed to go. Jacob is short. He resisted the plan of God because he didn't go all fulfill the plan. Can I say this morning to everyone that is sitting in here, it's that little step of rebellion, a little step of, of obedience, that last little step of surrender that you're not willing to give up, it's going to mess you up. That little bit of serve, uh, serving those old relationships, severing those old habits, those that's going to draw you back into it. Can I say this? Let me say this right quick. I, I, I'm a... I'm a I'm the same way. I'm not pointing on you. I, I, what I preach is happening to me. I know this. How many can hear a song in your life that take you place to a place in your life where you knew you should not have been? And yet you, yet you hear that song, and boy, right in your mind, you're right back there. You, you let me throw in some CCR. 
It'll take me back to places that I know I should not have been. But when I hear them songs, I, my mind goes back to the places. And, and, and you know, and you get around somebody that you knew back in those days, and you see them, they say, hey, how you doing? All of a sudden, your mind takes it to that place where you first met them. And it was not a place where you should have been at. Amen. You're saying. I got friends, and friend, my dearest friend said back there, me and him have been places we should not have been. Amen. It's those things that makes our minds go back to the places that we don't. And you say, well, well how can I stop? I don't know how you stop it because you slap in CCR. I'm going to lay down. I'm going to just dream back where I was. Amen. Anybody seen it rain on a sunny day? Sweet hitchhiker. Hey, man, I'm telling you. No, it ain't. My mind's already done drifted back to those places. Amen. But we, we get our minds thinking about the old thing. You say, well, I, I've come a long way in my walk with God, but there's always something that's going to try to pull you back. There's always going to be something or somewhere or somebody that's going to try to pull you back to where you were. And the reason why they can pull you back and stop you is because you stopped where God told you to not stop at. You come up short. God told you to get, God told Jacob to go back to the land of your fathers. Jacob didn't go. He's just short. And a lot of us has come up short in our lives. A lot of us has come short up in our walk with God. And we wonder why these things are going on in our life. Why, why am I being treated this way? Why are these things happening in my life? Because you're not where God told you to go. He resisted God's plan. And it'll mess him up. He said, well, I don't get drunk no more. I'm just a social drinker. No. I, I, I like watching a ball game having a beer or two. You ain't going to look at me and tell me with a straight face that one don't lead to two and two don't lead to three. Don't tell me that. I know better. Yeah, that's why I tell everybody here, if I go to your house, what am I going to do? I'm going to your refrigerator. There are some things that you as a child of God, as a Christian, should not have in your refrigerator. Some of y'all probably got it in right now. But all y'all probably do. Ain't nobody say, amen on that one, brother. I'm going to go home and get rid of mine. There's just some things that you should not be doing as a child of God. You say, well, I, I, I don't want to listen to preaching because it, it makes me not feel good. Oh, well. The same people that you hung out with when you was younger. They encourage you with the same old stuff. And the same ones that encourage you with the same old stuff is the same ones trying to encourage you today. Things that you ought not do. I had a guy said, well, I'm going to go down to the bar where I used to hang out with him and try to get him converted and try to get him to come to the house of God and try to get him to walk with God. I'll just go down there and hang out with him. I said, brother, don't do that. I've got enough faith. I've got enough faith in what I'm walking in. I, I believe God is leading me to the bar. I have never read in the Bible where God led anybody to a bar. Saved or unsaved, God is not going to leave you to the bar. He says, well, I'm going to go down there, and I'm just going to give them tracts and tell them what Jesus has done for me. It wasn't but three weeks later, that boy was falling off the bar stool drunk again. Don't tell me that. Let me say this. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I might. There are those that want to be saved and can be saved. And there are those that don't want to be saved, won't be saved. Amen. I should have waited for the night on that one. That would have been a good one. 
There, there are people in this world that just absolutely does not want to be saved no matter what you do. And there's people that want to be saved. And they're going to do everything they can do to be saved. Amen. You, you know what's funny to me in this whole thing? What's funny about it is that partial obedience. He worshipped God anyway. Look at chapter 33, verse 20. And he erected there an altar and called it Elohim Israel, which means mighty God of Israel. He is not doing what God has told him. Yeah, I'm still worshiping God. I'm still going to church. It's like some people in the church today. They're here on Sunday morning. They hear singing the songs. And you just got enough religion to satisfy you, to make you feel good about yourself. But you know for a fact that you're not where God has told you to go. You're a long way short from where God has told you to go. And where God wants you to be at. I, I find that if we just be obedient and willing to surrender to God, that when we get to the place where God has won us is at, our life becomes a little bit easier. I find that you still are short to where God told you to be at. You're still fighting troubles and problems. But when you get to that place where God said, hey, this is where I want you at, you'll find that your life starts becoming more involved with God because you're exactly where God has told you to go. Now, I'll, I'll admit this. God did not tell me to come here. Amen. Yes, no. Y'all prayed me here. <laughs> Y'all prayed and he got me. Deal with me. Amen. I when I took the church over, I told them there's going to be half of these people get up and walk out. <laughs> I lied. Three-fourths of the church got up and walked out. <laughs> they ain't used to it. I'm just telling you, a lot of people don't want to be saved. They just want to be tickled a little bit and have that little bit of a religion enough to satisfy their life. And I'm just telling you, maybe you're not where God wants you at. And you're still dealing with problems in life. Move on. Go where God said go to go. He told Jacob, go back to where your father's land at the first birth of God. Go back there, but he came up short. And because he came up short, he had all these problems in life. So how do we avoid writing a chapter of our life and God is not included in it? Well, first, you don't rely on what happened in your past. Amen. Don't rely on what you felt in the past. God is yesterday and today and tomorrow. What he did yesterday, he can do today and he'll do it tomorrow. So don't rely on that. Keep looking for God and get experienced God. Don't stop short of God's plan when God tells you to do something. Don't stop short of his plan. And I gave you all the nasty stuff. Let me give you a little bit of hope. And I'm glad there is some. I'm so glad the story don't end in chapter 34. So glad. He finally returns to the place where God had told him. Everything has gone crazy. They wrote a chapter without God. His daughter has been defiled. His family has got drugged into disaster. He is worrying about the future. He's going to be like uh, right in the middle of the man resisting God. Right in the middle of a man relying on the things in his past. He experienced chapter 35 verse 1. And God said unto Jacob, I am so glad that God is not done with him yet. I'm so glad that God's not done with me yet. I've not always done what God has told me to do. I've not always been obedient to it. I thank God God has not washed his hands of me. God still comes after me. Amen. There's a God that comes along in our darkest hour of resistance, of rebellion, comes and he says, 
I still love you. I still care about you. I still want you. And I still want to be with you. Let me write a chapter together with you. And it's not going to end in 34. God said unto Jacob, rise and go to Bethel. That means the house of God. He said, you want to get straightened out and get things right? I know a place to go. I know a spot. I I know where God shows up before and he'll show up again. And it's in the house of God. He said, make thee an altar unto God that appeared unto thee where thou fedest. They fled from the east of Esau, Esau, your brother. And Jacob said unto the household and unto all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. How do you write a chapter of God that's God's always in your life? First of all, you got to get straightened up. Put those strange gods away from you. Put those things that you're holding dear in your life that you replace God with. That alcohol, those drugs, all those things that you had in your life that has taken the place of God. He said, you've got to straighten up and get rid of those things. And as soon as you start getting rid of those false gods, He said, I'll be with you. He says, you can't worship those gods anymore we know the real god get rid of that stuff that's hindering you holding you back from reaching god you got to get rid of it then he said you got to go get cleaned up he said it's time for our hearts to get right with god again we got to get cleaned we're dirty nasty if you want God back in your story, you've got to get cleaned up. Then he said, let's get dressed up. Jacob, Jacob said, we messed up. We were relying on things that was in the past. We were relying on the uh, place that we were at. We messed up. They've been resisting God for too long. It is time to get back to the place where I found God one time before. What are you going to do? I'm going to get straightened up, I'm going to get cleaned up, and I'm going to get dressed up. Why are you going to do all that? Because we're going to the house of God. Isn't it good that when you get cleaned up, straightened up, dressed up, and you come to the house of God, you start feeling better about yourself? Amen. Amen. I love it. I love it. That, that is a surefire way of keeping God in the chapters of your life. Jacob showed us. He said, I'm going to get straightened up. I'm going to get cleaned up. And I, I'm going to get dressed up. That's the only way you're going to keep God right in the chapters of your life. Because when you start doing those things against those things, you will not get where God wants you to be at. Verse 3 said, Let us arise and go to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God. And who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. Jacob said this was a special place. That that is the place where I was running down and out and God showed up in that place. You ever remember what it's like when you ran down and out and you were out out in the darkness? You think nobody cares about you? You done, you done messed up your life to the drastic. God don't want to have nothing to do to you. You sit down and say, oh, woe is me. About that time, God sits down beside you. He says, I care about you. No matter what anybody else goes through, I care about you. Jacob said, this, this is a special place, a sheltering place, a place of rest. A saving place. A place of redemption. 
Thank God for this place here this morning. Can I tell you this morning, if you're hurting, you're lost, you're undone, this is the place that you need to be at. This is a redeeming place. This is a saving place. This is a healing place. You are in the right place. God has led you. And maybe this is as far as you are supposed to go is at the altar this morning. Amen. It's a special place. I, can I tell you, all I love church. I love church. I love being in the house of God. In verse 4, they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their land, in their hands, and all the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak. I, I love that. Jacob hid all that stuff on an oak tree in Shechem. Y'all get that? Jacob hid all that false gods, all that junk. He did it under the tree, the oak tree in Shechem. Can I tell you there was a tree that I hid everything that I had in my life. There's a tree that I went to. I said, here is my sins. Here's my deeds. This is everything in my life that I've done wrong. I've messed up. I said, I've got to hide my sins. i got to put it somewhere. And Jesus said, hey, i, I got a tree that you can come to. You put it under that tree and nobody will ever find them. He hid them a tree. It's a tree that the Lord gives. Maybe, maybe this morning you were trying to write some chapters of your life this morning and, and you've messed up chapters before. I mean, I've got messed up chapters before. And you're trying to write a chapter in your life and you're saying, well, I certainly don't want God out of my chapter. Mom, dad, for your family's sake, for your kids' sake, maybe you ought to come to the altar this morning and say, Lord, here I am. This is my book. This is my pen. And I'm going to let you write the chapters. Not, not for me, but for my family. Because when I write the chapters, I mess my life up. Not only my life up, I mess my kids up. You got kids, I'd come to you all and say, Lord, here, here's my book. I, I'm just going to surrender to you. Here's my pen. I'm going to let you use it. You write what you need to write, and I'll just be what you want me to be. I'll go as far as you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do, but I'm going to let you write my chapters from now on. Because if you don't, you'll be like David. Jacob here. His daughter got messed up. His sons got messed up. Jacob got messed up because he wrote a chapter without God in it. 